0: Welcome to the Granary Church Podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Grainery Church. Could I invite you to uh, stand this morning for the reading of the word? Yep, we're doing it. And it's mostly because uh, if anyone's fallen asleep, um, I want them to... Uh, to um, to wake up. Not that you could fall asleep during that though. Wasn't that beautiful? Can we put our hands together for our worship team who um, who, by the way, don't do it for the for the for the glory. But um, every now and then, it is nice to acknowledge the fact that they do turn up every Sunday and create such a, a heavenly atmosphere. So I'm reading from Luke chapter seven. Uh, we've been moving through the Gospel of Luke, looking at some of the key miracles of Jesus, uh, with the intention of trying to work out who He is. So Luke chapter seven, starting at verse 11, soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother and she was a widow and a large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. And then he went up and touched the buyer they were carrying him on and the bearers stood still he said young man i say to you get up the dead man sat up and began to talk and jesus gave him back to his mother they were all filled with awe and praised god a great prophet has appeared among us they said God has come to help His people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Please be seated. So, I do believe that uh, God has something to say to every one of us here today, because this is a story about death, and the uh, the number of of the percentage of us in here who um, are going to die at some point is 100%. And uh, and so this is relevant for you. And um, I was reminded um, when I was preparing this sermon of a uh, a song that I really like. Um, do we have any country and western? Yeah, you want to give me a yee-haw if you're a, yeah. <laughs> Get out. Um, no, no, it's fine. It's music, I suppose. But there is a um, there's a country and western group I like uh, that are called the Old Dogs, and they have a song which is called You're Still Gonna Die. And I thought I'd read you some of the lyrics. It says, So you quit smoking, but you're still gonna die. Cut out cocaine, but you're still gonna die. Eliminate everything fatty or fried, and you'll get real healthy, but you're still gonna die. (laughs) Stop getting a tan, you're still gonna die. You can eat a lot of oat bran, but you're still gonna die. You can search for UFOs up in the sky. They might fly you to Mars, where you're still gonna die. (laughs) And then the chorus goes like this, you're still gonna, still gonna, still gonna die, still gonna, still gonna, still gonna die. You can even give aerobics one more try, (laughs) but when the music stops playing, (laughs) thanks for uh, being here. (coughs) And uh, we don't like to think about that reality, because uh, it's a very harsh aspect of life. But in this story that I've just read to us, God himself in the person of Jesus comes face to face with death and we can see that something incredible takes place. And so I want to pick out three things from this story and, uh, and, and, and just to, to touch on and then we'll be done. And the, the three things are how dying will ruin your life, how dying will ruin your mum's life, and, uh, and how to just avoid the whole thing altogether. So in verse 12, it says that as Jesus approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. He was the only son of his mother. She was a widow and a large crowd from the town was with her. So this was a funeral procession that he'd uh, come in contact with. And it was a big deal. You know, they would have, you know, a lot of people would come out in, in, in Jesus' day. There would be a lot of people wailing. It would be a big deal. A lot of women would throw ash on their heads. And you might've come across this kind of thing in different parts of scripture before. And it was a big deal because death is such an offense to us, it's an offense to us now, it was offense to people then, and it's always been an offense to mankind in every place all over the world. Death is such an offense to us. And that's why we make such a big show about it when it happens, because it's not just like anything else, it is an, an affront to our lives. And it's always been that way. And the, the ash that they would throw on their heads was a harking back to the, the very beginning of the story of Israel. and In fact, the story of mankind, which we find in the book of Genesis, the beginning of the Bible, and it paints us a picture of, of the story of, of humanity. And God says to Adam, from dust you came, and to dust you shall return. And if you know the story, God's actually speaking a curse over mankind in that moment which seems harsh. But what had happened just before that is that Adam and Eve, the first humans, our um, mother and father in in essence, decided to to break away from God by sinning, by um, going their own way and not going God's way. And so in that moment, death came into their lives. And the reason is, is because God is the creator and the sustainer of all things. It says in Acts 17:28, in him, we live and move and have our being. There's no life aside from God. He sustains our life. And in that moment, Adam and Eve were cut off from the author and the sustainer of life. And so death has come into our being. And that's why all of us experience death. We have to live up to the reality of death because of the fact that we have walked away from God and we are no longer in connection with the eternal God and um, you know you might listen to that and go well that just sounds like a, a bit of a a fairy tale you know to to kind of I don't know to sort of make yourself feel better or something like that but the fact is is that if you are honest and look within yourself you will admit to yourself that death is not something that you can just take lightly that you can just go into easily death is something which all of us rage against and if it's something that we were always intended to experience, then why is it something that we rage against so vehemently? What the Bible tells us is that death is actually not what we were intended for. At the very beginning of Genesis, we see a picture of mankind who are designed to be in perfect relationship with the eternal God, which means that they, us, are designed to be eternal beings who live in eternal relationship with God. That's what we were designed for. And death is actually an affront. It's its not what we were designed for. And so we become like animals in a cage. You know, if you've ever seen, an, you've been to the zoo or, you know, you've seen like a bird in a cage or something like that. And like if when you go to the zoo, you know, it can be cool, you know, you get to see these animals close up. But part of you knows that's not what they were designed for. You know, there's an infring, infring infringement upon what they were created to be. Uh, in January I was up in Queensland and I went to Hartley's Crocodile Adventure Park and I got to see all of these awesome huge ridiculous crocodiles and and they were caged in like they had fences around them. I have to admit the fences were only about this high and I I thought I reckon that croc like it was right there but anyway they were caged in you just kind of see these kind of sad looking crocs just kind of lying there and there's a part of you that knows they're meant to be, you know, out in the wild, sort of roaming. They're not meant to be in cages like this. And then I saw that during the floods, there was a crocodile park somewhere up in Queensland where the waters had rised so high that some of the crocs did actually did anyone see this, managed to escape, and there were photos of like crocs swimming through people's homes and front yards and stuff. And I thought, that's more like it. <laughs> And all of us, we are like that. Death is like a cage and it feels like an offense to us and we don't know why. And I'm here to tell you that the reason is because it's not what we were designed for. We were actually designed to live eternity. C.S. Lewis puts it quite famously like this. Christian uh, Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is such a thing as water. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world if none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. So it's not, you know, the fact that we rage against death is not just some kind of some sort of default in our DNA. It actually points to the fact that beyond the grave, there there exists something which will satisfy that longing that we have to avoid death altogether. And all of us, I don't care what you say, all of us want to avoid death. Do you remember uh, Don Adams who played Maxwell Smart in the show, does anyone remember Get Smart? I remember seeing a a video of Don Adams at his 70th birthday or something like that. He was quite old and he'd been quite uh, unwell. And I think, Let me reiter- reiterate, some of us, some of us are in denial. <laughs> You're still gonna, still gonna, still gonna. <laughs> no, he was 70 years young. Um, and, uh, and he was unwell. And I think he did die, I hate to say it, not long after this um, event. But at the event, he said, look, when I die, I don't want to have a big funeral. I don't want to have a big event. I just want some of my closest friends and family to gather around the body and try to bring me back to life. (laughs) Because deep down, none of us want to die. And then some people say things like, well, death is just, you know, you know, I'll be dead, so I won't know that I'm dead, so I'm, I'm not, I've got nothing to worry about. And that's a lot, the way that a lot of people in our, our culture feel. You know, It's just like sleep. It's like when I'm sleeping, I'm not really thinking about the fact that I'm sleeping. Or well, before I was born, I didn't lament the fact that I wasn't alive, so I'm not going to lament it after I'm dead. But if that's the case, if death is just sleep, why do we deep down try to avoid it so much? As Dylan Thomas, the great poet, put it when his... Um, own father was dying he wrote this poem and he said do not go gentle into that good night many of you know the poem do not go gentle into that good night rage rage against the dying of the light and all of us feel that rage within us against death and it's because we as the bible says are offspring of the eternal God and Jesus comes along and he performs a resurrection and the people say a great prophet has appeared among us, which seems like an understatement, doesn't it? But they're saying that because in Israel's history, Jesus is actually not the first person to have performed a resurrection. There's actually stories in the Old Testament of prophets who performed very similar miracles. And I'm gonna talk about Elijah, who was one of them. It says in 1 Kings 17, and I don't have time to go into the full story, but I encourage you to read it yourself. 1 Kings chapter 17 that sometime later the son of a woman who owned the house, so he'd already been with this uh, woman and her son performing miracles, uh, became ill. And the son grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. And she said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my my sin and kill my son? And why does she say that? Did you come to remind me of my sin? Because that's what prophets tended to do. As the mouthpieces of God, they would walk around pointing out people's sinfulness and reminding them of their death and the fact that the sinful nature of humankind leads them to death. And the the nature of God is, is that in His holiness He cannot abide our sinfulness. And so death is the inevitable response. And so this woman just sees Elijah the prophet as coming about bringing uh, a reminder of her sin and, and death. But Elijah actually didn't need to say anything about her sin, she brought that out herself. Elijah being the great prophet that he was actually performs a miracle in that moment. You can read the story, brings the son back to life. But these resurrection stories that we see in the Old Testament are not the full picture. They're actually just a taste of things to come and we begin to see this come to full fruition in the person of Jesus because when these resurrections took place these people would come back to life but then they wouldn't just go on and live immortally forever eventually they would die again you know um there's no story you know we don't hear what happens but we presume they live and then after a while they would have they would have died again for some other reason so it wasn't the full end of the story it wasn't the full conquering of this problem of death of this disconnection from from man and God it was just a taste of things to come and so death is an affront to all of us it ruins all of our life because it gets cut short and it's not what we were designed for but death the, the fact that that's the way that all of our lives are going to finish actually makes an absurdity of our lives now If we're willing to be honest with ourselves and not many of us are but Woody Allen is and he uh, is a um, comedian and a film director but also a, a, a atheist philosopher as far as I'm concerned and I saw him in an interview and he says you start to think when you're younger how important everything is things have to go right and your job your career your life and your choices and all that And then after a while, you start to realise that eventually you die. And eventually the sun burns out, and the earth is gone. And eventually all the stars and all the planets, the entire universe goes, disappears, and nothing is left at all. Nothing. Shakespeare or Beethoven, all gone. Michelangelo, gone. And you think to yourself, It is a lot of noise and sound and fury and where's it going? Not going any place. And if we're honest with ourselves, if death is really the end of the story, it actually makes an absurdity of our lives right now as we're living them. All of the things that you worried about this week, all of the relationships that you've had to try and deal with and contend with, all of your hopes, all of the things that you're working for, all of the things that you're storing up, if death is the end of the story, then why does any of that stuff matter? It doesn't really. If you're going to die, they're going to die. Everything's going to burn up. If that's the end of the story, it really makes an absurdity of our lives as we're living it. And we can tell ourselves, you know, nice quotes and pithy sayings to make ourselves feel better. But without Jesus, that really is the reality that we have to face. But Jesus comes along. And the response from the people is, God has come to help his people. And actually, when we get a picture of the fact that we live not just until we die, but we actually live eternally, then that brings meaning to everything that we do. Everything, every day, every moment, every decision, every relationship, every conversation, every transaction, everything has eternal consequences. And how much does that profoundly transform our lives, if we actually think, what I'm doing, the way I'm relating, who I'm being, who I'm living for, all of those decisions that I make on a day-to-day basis have profound consequences and profound meaning in the context, and only in the context, of eternity. Point two, how dying will ruin your mum's life. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow, it says in, in Luke, and a large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. When I've read um, some of the commentaries on this passage, the, the commenters tend to stress the fact that in a patriarchal society, when your husband has died, your son is basically your your main or only recourse of living, you know, of, getting, of, of being able to make a means and to, to live. So now that this woman had lost her son as well, she was in a, a really bad situation. And so that's why Jesus' heart goes out to her. And I think that's true, but I also think probably just as equally, if not more true, his heart probably went out to her because her son had died. And not just because her son was a means of, of, of uh, getting an income or living, but because it was her son. And Jesus understood the heartache that we as humans feel when we lo- lose loved ones. And I know that there's people in our community here who are, who are in the moment dealing with the real grief. I had a woman who came up to me after the first service who had only recently lost her husband. And, and this is a real part of, of our community. And, and to those of you here today who, who live with that grief of people you lost, or maybe people you lost a long time ago. What an encouragement to know that Jesus, his, what the word says, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. God's heart goes out to you in that moment. But then he says to her, don't cry. And not because he's diminishing her tears, but because he's looking towards the end of the picture and he sees a greater story. But for most of us, we don't have that hope. Um, and when we lose people, we, we have to try and live with the reality of, well, that person is never coming back. Elijah, who I was talking about before, he actually managed to escape death. There's a great story in, in Second Kings of, of him actually being taken in a chariot, chariot of fire up to heaven. But he had a friend alongside him, another prophet, Elisha. And it says in um, chapter 2, verse 2 of Second Kings, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on, were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets in Bethel came out to Elisha. The company of prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and they asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied. So be quiet. Elisha is having trouble here facing up with the reality that his friend Elijah is going to be taken away from him and often we can be like that you know we don't want to look full in the face of the fact that our loved ones the people that we love are not going to be here forever sometimes we have people who are you know 70 or above and um, they they say things like oh well i'm not going to be I'm not gonna be around forever. Um, you know, and, and, and that kind of talk, we hate it when people we love start talking like that. And so we start to say things like, oh, you know, that's a long way down the track and, and everything. Because the thought of people going and then just not coming back is also an affront to our human nature. When Elijah was taken away, it says that the prophets went to look for him. They said, oh, but perhaps the Lord has taken him and placed him uh, somewhere else. And so they send out a search party to go and look over here and go and look over there, but they don't find him. He's gone. They, they, they are then presented with the reality that Elijah just simply is not coming back. We lost a, a great cricketer, Shane Warne, recently and, um, and saw some of the quotes from his children on TV and I wanted to read out one to you from his daughter Summer. She said, our time was robbed. I want more holidays with you. More laughs where your smile lights up the whole room. More goodnight, I love you SJ, I'll see you in the morning. More talks about how our days were and just to feel safe when you would hug me and you would let me know how proud you are of me and how much you love me. You haven't died, dad. You've just moved to a different place and that is in our hearts. You can hear the real pain, obviously, in, in what um, Summer is saying here, and, and many of you will be able to connect with that pain. And I don't want to um, diminish that or disparage that. But in that last line, where she says, "You haven't died, Dad. You've just moved to a different place in our hearts." That can be the kind of phraseology that we, as, you know, secular contemporary people use to avoid the the real reality of the fact that people do actually die and they're not coming back. They haven't. It's like those prophets looking for Elijah on another hill they're gone until we have Jesus we have no hope of being able to see those people again of being able to make sense of that grief of that affront to our humanity because it it pains us so much and Jesus looks at us in our pain and he says his heart goes out to us and he says don't cry because Jesus sees the end of the story which brings me to the third point which is how to avoid the avoid the whole thing altogether so we know that Jesus goes over and he touches the bier they were carrying him on and the bearers stood still and he said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. An incredible story and an incredible moment, but still not the end of the story, because as I said, he, Jesus was not the first prophet to have performed a resurrection, an amazing miracle, but not the end of the story. But Jesus would have known in that moment as he looked at the funeral procession that his own death was coming. He would have known that. God, the eternal God, the the author and sustainer of life, comes down in the person of Jesus, I want you to get this, and chooses to die himself. Life itself becomes death itself. He actually takes on all of our death in that moment on the cross. And and unlike the boy here, he doesn't get a, a big funeral procession. In fact, most people desert him whilst he's hanging on that cross. But in that moment, something radical happened and Luke continues the story in chapter 24. It says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like light, lightning stood beside them and in their fright the women bowed down with their faces to the ground but the men said to them why do you look for the living among the dead he is not here he is risen and in that moment we live with a, a glorious reality that for those of us who follow Jesus we're invited into what we call resurrection life which means that we are now, you and I are now, the living among the dead. We're actually the ones who walk around with eternity written on our hearts, with the reality that we are reconnected back into that relationship that mankind was designed for from the beginning, not because we've managed to avoid sin, but because Jesus has dealt with it in his own death, the only eternal one who was never meant to experience who, is, who never deserved death, experiences our death in that moment so that we can have eternity written on our hearts once again. And unlike Elijah, who went off and was never to be seen again, we see Luke continues the story in the book of Acts. Jesus doesn't go on and then die a human death again, and his body won't be found anywhere because he, as the scriptures say, and we believe, ascended into heaven. And the disciples are looking up to him as he is going, and the angels say, This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I'd like to invite the band to come back up, because it's a big deal getting up here and talking about death, and, uh, and having to sit in that for a moment. But God's desire is not for us to sit in, in it that we might just feel depressed and hopeless. But quite the opposite, that we will look into the reality of our death and of the death of those around us and actually see through it a, an incredible hope that comes only through Jesus. The Apostle Paul put it like this in Thess- Thessalonians 4.13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So we can look forward with confidence to that glorious day of resurrection where you and I and our brothers and sisters will be brought back into eternal life with God. And the picture that we get is of that chariot of fire that came down and picked up Elijah and took him off so that he was able to avoid the whole thing altogether. And we will, of course, experience until Jesus comes back a death in this mortal body, but that's not the end of the story. Ultimately, we are going to avoid death. Let's pray. Dear God, this is a lovely idea, but we need it to be more than just an idea. We need it to be a reality in our hearts. And we need it to be All about you because that's what it's going to be on the other side is it's going to be eternity with you so Spirit I ask that you would be with us right now that you would give us a taste right now of of what that glorious day is going to be like when we're all together with you on the other side that should profoundly change the way that we live And if it isn't already, then I ask that 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 change would take place today and that though we may experience frailty, we may experience our own mortality, that we might lose loved ones around us, that we can look forward to that glorious day where you will return and you will bring all of those who have fallen asleep with you. And we thank you for this in your name. Amen.